Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to the NBA Big Board Podcast, and this is Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, and I have my guest, Leif Tulin, and he is going to give his breakdown on the top prospects that played for the University of Arizona. Stay tuned. All right, shout out to each and everybody that has made the NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I really appreciate all the love and the feedback. And in this case, on Mondays, since I'm doing five days a week, your first listen of the week. But today I want to talk about the prospects at the University of Arizona and who else better to have on than Leaf Tulin. He covers the Pac-12, knows the conference in and out, is a huge basketball junkie draft analyst i mean he has a bunch of accolades and so i had to have him on to talk about the prospects at the university of arizona because they could potentially have three players drafted in the first round leaf how's everything going for you doing great i'm uh i'm enjoying the last couple of weeks of college right now and i just can't wait for and the playoffs are starting up i'm seeing my jazz uh i'll be at the game tomorrow and waiting to get into the just dig into the draft, watch some more film once I finish up school. So what, what is the atmosphere in Utah? So I, I, I'm in Dallas and I was at game two and it was a great game. If, if you're a Mavs fan, um, I, I imagine it's a, a terrible game. If you're a jazz fan, do you think they have a new strategy to stop dribble penetration? I, I don't know if there's going to be a new strategy. I'm hoping for better execution. Um, I, I think, I think the strategy was kind of just dare Kleba to shoot for a bit. Um, but they became too open because of the dribble penetration. I, I think the jazz fans, some are in mass hysteria. And then some of the ones that I, I trust more and, and believe in more are, are thinking, Hey, we won one on the road. Like that's, that's what, like what you can expect in a four or five matchup and, and come away happy with, but it, it kind of feels no tainted Luka. without Luca. Yeah. It <laughs> feels tainted without Luca. So were you upset that Gobert didn't win Defensive Player of the Year? Upset? No. Uh, I, I do think he's the best defender in the world, though. Like, no one has a bigger impact on their team's defense than Rudy Gobert, is my claim. Definitely. I mean, like, there's so many people that only watch the ball. Like, I've seen so many, like, different tweets where they think Gobert is the one getting torched on defense because he's the one that is closing out on the shooters, but... I'm like, if you watch the game, he is trying to help out the guards that are getting beat on straight line drives. And then he's making the effort to close out. And it's almost like a repeat of last year. I mean, Reggie Jackson and Jalen Brunson are very good, but the Jazz defense has made them look like all-stars. And speaking of rim protectors, let, let's just start off with Christian Coloco. I had a chance to watch him play last summer. Some guys were playing pickup in LA and I, I went out there and um, saw him playing. And I mean, I was like, man, he looks good. So I, I had to double check and went on my phone, went to the Arizona roster to make sure the guy that I was seeing in this pickup game was the same player that I saw at Arizona. And I mean, you could see, at least I could see like the changes in his game, the strides that he made then. And it, it, it definitely had some momentum coming into the season. Now, now, where do you have him ranked as far as like your top centers in this class? And, and do you think that he is a, a first round pick? I've got him at the very end of my first round. I think I, off the top of my head, he's probably my fourth, fourth center off the board. 
Um, I could, I could make some adjustments on that, but I've got him at 27 on my board right now. And I, I really like the improvements you, you referenced it in the scene in a pickup run. I, I was there for um, the first two rounds, Arizona played against uh, Wright state and TCU. And I feel like while Benedict Matherin was deservingly anointed, like, Oh, the best player on that team. And he was the best player, but he would, everyone gave all the credit to Matherin for the win against TCU. Uh, Coloco probably had the most like holistically impressive game. Yeah. (laughs) He was, he was unbelievable. The first half they were getting outplayed pretty uh, solidly for the first eight, nine minutes. And then Coloco had this dominant stretch where he had 12 straight points or 12 of 14. And you watched him on that final possession there. You could say that was a foul on Dale and Terry. But uh, Coloco slid his feet beautifully in a, in a place where you can't pick up a foul. You can't let penetration against an NBA caliber guard. I know he's returning to school and Mike Miles, but he moved his feet and that's as good a test. And I, I really believe in his rim protection and he's, he's got good hips. He opens his hips pretty well. And uh, he shot 75% from the free throw line, which I'm not saying he's a three and like a three point shooter, but at least there's some touch. Like you can, you can say that there's potential for a nice 15 foot jumper in the NBA. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, the touches there. I mean, he, throughout the season, he showed some flashes of being able to space the floor. Again, not necessarily from three-point range, but I, I agree that the, the touch is there. Now, who are the centers do you have ahead of him? Do you have Chet listed as a center? Yeah, that was one I was kind of torn on if he counts as a center. So I would say Chet for sure. So that might move him to fifth. Mm-hmm. I have Chet, Jalen Duran, Mark Williams, and then uh coloco and then okay. uh K- kamagate and coloco are very close i've got 28 27 and 28 right now for those two so you think five centers can go in, in the first round of this draft i wouldn't be surprised if one of those last two fall off but in my board i've got five now what do you think areas that he needs to focus on this summer i think getting a little stronger for the interior the physicality of the nba i i believe in his athleticism he runs the floor well he slides his feet pretty well I think his recoverability is not that of Mark Williams I think Mark Williams recovers better but Coloco Coloco may slide better but um, I I think he needs to work on being physical in the post if he were to play against some of the stronger centers in the NBA and I think he needs to work on remaining upright when when guards drive into his body the other a couple times where the um, TCU guard the forwards got into his body and were able to wedge him under the rim and so his shot blocking impact was minimized and when you say um, mark williams closes out better can you elaborate a, a little bit more for for the audience that may not fully understand what you mean by closing out yeah so i think mark williams recovers better than coloco i think coloco slides his feet like for instance on a pick and roll i think he contains better than mark williams but if you're picking a center to be like kind of an heir apparent, become a, a big time player on your team in the NBA, the, the more desirable trade is rim protection. And I think Coloco does a good job when he's just rim protecting, but when he's beaten, I don't think he recovers as well as Mark Williams does. Uh, if he's beaten on a pick and roll, Mark Williams has a way of just flipping his hips and running back to the basket. Coloco is to me better at sliding laterally than he is recovering vertically on a court. Gotcha. That, and, and that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, like, do you place a lot of value in rim runners and vertical lob threats? Like, for example, Richard does not. He thinks that you can get those guys in the second round. Like, where do you stand on vertical lob threats, rim runners, and and rim protectors? My perspective may be tainted by being a Jazz fan and working for the team because I watch Rudy Gobert, and I'm very 
conscientious of his impact and how offensively he may not be the best in the low post, but he's got a huge impact on what the jazz do running the most pick and rolls in the NBA and spacing vertically. Um, I will say that in drafting, I'm not saying that it's the most valued trait, but I put more value into it than I think Richard does. And, and we've spoken about that before when we were doing our podcast. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say it's my most desired trait, but I do believe he can be an impactful offensive player, but the, the real protection, um, the, the real, uh, value for Coloco is rim protection that I, that I put the most value on as a prospect for him. As a jazz fan, do you agree with like the team philosophy? So I had a friend that was a center for the jazz and I used to work him out a couple of summers ago and he was told to never really spend any time working on his post-ups. Even if he had a switch with me on him, he was told to kind of get out the way, let, let Donovan drive. So I, I did some numbers and Rudy only had 21 post-ups this whole season in comparison Jared Allen who I think is similar had like 75 and he only and he missed he played like 10 less games than Rudy so how that goes back to Coloco do you think Coloco is a guy if he has a switch and a small guard on him do you think he's someone that you could give the ball to in the post and feel comfortable with him making a, a, a good play I think eventually I don't think coming into the league if he gets switched onto a guard he'll necessarily punish that guard um, at the level you'd, you'd love. Um, but I think eventually I, I buy his footwork. He against TCU, uh, he switched onto guards a couple times and I was there and he was able to make uh, jump hooks and he had pretty good touch and his footwork was developed, but it wasn't fully developed. And so I, I think by year four or five in the NBA, I think he'll be an effective post player in those instances. Uh, but I don't necessarily think he'll initially punish guards as a, as a rookie or second year player. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. When we return, I want to get your thoughts on Benedict Matherman, who is obviously the most highly touted Arizona prospect, but I want to talk to the audience about bet online, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including the playoffs, the NBA playoffs, which are on right now. Well, at least they're on right now while we're recording. And the start of the Major League Baseball season, BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. So head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow. This is with Leaf Tuling. Thank you again for making the NBA Big Bull Podcast your first listen. Now, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcast. All right, Leaf, what are your thoughts on Benedict Matherin? And before you get into your thoughts, where do you have him on your big board? I've got Matherin at number eight. I, I really like his game. And uh, this is a guy that I had a first round grade on last year. I thought if he came out as a freshman that I would take him. I think I had him at 26. Mm -hmm. I, I would have to go check that. I don't have that on me right now, but um, I could get back to you on that one. But I think I know I had him in a first round grade, late first round pick. Uh, he's th a three and D to a T. Like he, he shoots the ball well. He's got pretty solid athleticism in terms of functional athleticism. Uh, he's a good rebounder. 
solid defender. And uh, I, I think he's developed a slight bit of a mid a mid range game. I think he could work on that, but he has good float uh, against Illinois. I think he had three floaters because they have Kofi Coburn as a prominent rim defender and he was able to score it from the mid range. And I think, He's a better athlete than people give him credit for because he's a good shooter. I think people make that misconception that he's always a really good shooter, so he can't be a really good athlete. And I think he's a really good college athlete, solid NBA athlete, and a really good shooter for both levels. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him a lot. I know that in a lot of different mocks, he's slated to go to my Portland Trailblazers, and I think that would be a, a good fit. But I think at the very minimum, he's a 3 and D guy. I still think that there's some shot creation. There is some ability to put the ball on the floor and make plays. I think he has that in him. The last player that I felt that way about that was like a three and D guy that I felt could develop a little bit more off the dribble was Devin Vassell. I haven't paid enough attention to him to see if he's developed it to the area that I thought he could, but Matherin showed flashes this year. I think he got a lot better at creating his own shot in isolation I think if he gets the right trainer, I, I think that he could be a, a, a 20 point per game score in the NBA. And one example that I have, and they're, they're not similar players, but I felt like when Jalen Brown came out of Cal, he was not very polished. Like you knew he had the physical tools, the body. You can't say that he was a good shooter coming out of Cal. You can't say he was like this you know, this, this great one-on-one player, but every summer he got better and better and better and added more stuff to his game off the dribble. I can say the same about Bradley Bill. Brad used to only shoot threes, maybe two dribbles max. And then uh, now, you know, he can handle the ball. He can play in pick and rolls. I was actually listening to a, a, a knuckleheads podcast with uh, Quinn Richardson, Darius Miles and Larry Hughes. And they were talking about Bradley Bill because uh, Bill is from St. Louis, like like D Miles and, um, and and Larry Hughes, and they were just talking about how much he's improved off the dribble. Do you believe that Matherin could develop into a reliable scorer off the bounce? Yeah, no, I, I really do. I I think Benedict Matherin has more scoring upside upside than a guy that's projected higher than him and AJ Griffin. Uh, I think he's got more Ooh, individual hot creation take, ability. Hot take, hot take, hot take, uh, and hot I, take. I, I have AJ <laughs> ahead of him. I want to preface that. I, I do. I'm just saying that if they both hit their absolute ceilings, AJ might be a better player because he's younger and uh, he's coming off an injury, so he has it. But I think Benedict Matherin flashed more individual creation uh, ability. And I, I think his shot release is really high. I think he could develop into a very – acceptable mid-range score and and you mentioned he could be a 20 point a game guy i i wrote a, a something a little while ago and I, on a podcast I, I talked with richard and i started like writing out some thoughts and i have in my notes here projected i could see 12 to 18 points for multiple years in the nba is the the very quick scrawled note i wrote so i think we're similarly thinking there and i think a, he's a guy who could shoot 40 percent from three in any given year and be a plus defender on your team so you talk three and d with scoring upside and I think that's a lottery lock. And I, I have him, as I mentioned, in my top 10. And I, I really do believe if he's able to score in the in the mid-range and score at all three levels, because we talked about him being a pretty good explosive athlete, um, you really raises his ceiling to a level that makes him better than a guy like Johnny Davis, in, in my opinion, at least, like a guy that's projected similarly or in, in a lot of mocks ahead of him. And that was my next question. What makes you have 
I want to call him Benny Matt. What makes you have Benny Matt over Johnny Davis? I think he's a better shooter and he's his scoring. Uh, the ways he scores are more translatable to the NBA than the way that Johnny Davis scores, in my opinion. And I, I hope for Johnny Davis to score as he effectively as he did in college. I just think the way the NBA is played, Matherin's game style fits it better. Speaking of Johnny Davis, I was talking to an agent and uh, he has a player in the draft. And so um, he made a comment about Johnny Davis. And I, well, I said, you know, one of the things I like about Johnny Davis is that he plays hard. I think playing hard every play is a skill set that may be undervalued. And so he made a comment. And tell me if you agree with this. It's kind of a little bit off subject. His comment was, sometimes I worry about guys that play hard every single play in the NBA because during the playoffs, they don't have another notch that they could turn it up to. And he was saying like a lot of the stars understand it's a long season. They kind of coast, but then they turn it up in the playoffs. And one of his examples was, and this is just his opinion, but one of his examples was Kyle Lowry struggles in the playoffs because now he doesn't have an advantage because everybody else is playing to the same intensity that he's used to playing with throughout the whole season. And so he said he thinks Johnny Davis, because he plays so hard all the time, may not have another level to get to in the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that assessment? I agree fullheartedly with that, actually. And, and I, I actually heard someone make the, this very similar comparison about a team in the Grizzlies. They played harder than everyone all year. Hmm. And I think when people start playing just as hard because it's the playoffs, it's do or die, um, some of that advantage gets negated. Um, as for Johnny Davis versus Matherin, I think that Matherin has this ability in the egalitarian Arizona offense. Like they, they had uh, three all Pac-12 first teamers. And then they had a guy in Dale and Terry we're about to speak about who could be a first rounder, could be a second rounder, could return to school. And then they also had a, another guy, two guys off the bench that scored 10 and eight points respectively. So they, they were super egalitarian, but the games where they needed him to score, TCU scored 30 points against uh, – against Tennessee during the regular season against one of the best defenses in the country, Benedict Matherin scores 29 on really good efficiency. Um, he rises to the occasion and he does so without differing in his game. Johnny Davis was asked to do it so often, and that's a skill that he was able to do it so much, but it's, it's hard to say against better athletes and a, and, and or a game where it is better spaced. I will say he may have that where the, the spacing will benefit uh, Davis. I just don't think the way he scores is going to be it as easy to replicate as the way Matherin scores for Arizona. Yeah, I agree. I think if this were 1995 instead of 2022, then you could say Johnny Davis is the better NBA player because, you know, in that era, it was a lot of isolation. Guards got the ball at the elbow, mid-range pull-ups, while today's NBA is, is, is totally different. And it just shows, like, how – how a player game can be more suited for a, a different era. All right. When we return, I want to get your opinions on Dalen Terry, who is someone that a lot of people are high on, even though he did not have like the best numbers. There are, he, he has a, a fan club that thinks that he should be a, a first round pick. So I want to get your opinion on that, but let's talk about built bar. And it is the time of year that a lot of people have given up on their new year's resolutions. And if you have, you should try out a built bar because it's 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 like this healthy candy bar that 100% chocolate but it allows you to eat healthy and you still have the same taste of a candy bar 
But Bill Bar has added these puffs to their to their lineup, and the puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and it's not just a protein bar. It is a treat, and like I said, it's covered with 100% real chocolate. And the puffs have been a fan favorite. They have some incredible flavors like coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, and Bill Bar is saying that once you try one, they're going to be your favorite, and that is because, again, they are 100% real chocolate. Yes, these marshmallow puffs are 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, they're high protein. They can replace your candy bars because they're better, and a typical candy bar can have anywhere from two to 300 calories, while most built bars are just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So if you compare that to a candy bar, it has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And some of the flavors are mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And my favorite flavor is the white chocolate cookies and cream, which I have been telling people it, it is the Jason Williams flavor white chocolate if you didn't get it but all the built bars are delicious and they have new flavors coming out all the time if they think a flavor is going to be good they'll make it and it will be delicious and what built bar does is they, they make it about the taste first and then they figure out a way to make it healthy i don't know how they do it but they seem to do it every time so go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your next order use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off of your next order all right now let's talk about a guy that you're super super high on dylan terry what what makes you so high on him and it, you have him as a first round grader correct uh i have him at like 32 so very very close very close yep okay so what, what, why are you higher on him than than let's say the consensus i think it, it has to do with I see playmaking ability, and we talked about this last podcast. I'm a, I'm a fan of jumbo facilitators, but it's just if, if you watch what Herb Jones does, and then you mm -hmm. watch Dalen Terry in college on a team where he already is playing the role that he would play in the NBA, and I value that. Yeah. Some players, some players have to play star roles in college, and they are graded unfairly for it. And some players already have their role, and they're just superb at their role. Um, he's one of those guys I think is a excellent defender with playmaking upside and his shot isn't beautiful but it's not broken and i think if you watch herb jones shoot seven percent at alabama his junior to shooting 37 38 percent in the nba and herb's a little bigger i will say that but that's the comparison is is for a team desperately lacking a perimeter defender as we talked about my jazz is uh stopping the ball issues being mm -hmm. being painful I, it's hard for me not to watch with that lens and say, wow, this guy is excellent at defending the ball, really good off ball defender, gets his hands in passing lanes, rebounds the ball, shoots mid thirties from three and um, is the main facilitator for the Arizona team that one could argue if everyone played their a games, I, I, at least I'd argue this. I would say if every, every college team in, the end, uh, in college played their a games, Arizona played the best a game of anyone. And I think he was a large, large component in that. Do you have a player comparison for him? Slightly smaller Herb Jones. Like he's, he's not able to guard fours. I think he can guard one through three. Um, I think Herb Jones is a little bigger, a little more mature, but that's, that's one of the knocks on Terry is that he's very thin, but if he, he's only 19, 20 years old, I think if you give him to be 22, I think he could really improve. I don't have anyone other than Herb um, off the top of my head, but that was kind of like when I watched him play in person, 
and defend Mike Miles. He made him shoot very inefficiently. That she and, was doing all year, Mike. I mean, not 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 a knock on on Terry, but Miles. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest knocks on him. Is just he, he needs to improve his efficiency. But yeah, Terry did a good job on him. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> and I think, but the thing about Mike is that he he created a lot of shots that very few college guards could do. And yeah. I think the fact is that he couldn't create those shots even against Terry. So he made him shoot exceptionally difficult runners, step back jump shots, which isn't necessarily his forte. And I thought, uh, I thought Dale and Terry did a phenomenal job defending him. And also in that game, we talked about Coloca providing a spark when TCU got a big um, earlier, big, I mean, 10 points early, but it feels big. Um, when they were up about TCU was up about six early in the second half, Dale and Terry had back-to-back steals and which led to fast break runouts. And I just value the, the, the ultimate glue guy that he is. And I think that if you can package that with some facilitation and possibly improve shot, I, I buy it. I buy it. All right. Now I'm going to put you on the hot seat. You are his advisor. Do you come out or do you return to school? We saw how it helped Matherin, even though, uh, you know, he's not a freshman, but with the way like, this NIL money is going. And I imagine Arizona has such a large alumni, you know, group of alumni and, and the school has money. What would you advise him? Do you say enter the draft where you're maybe not be a lock to go in the first round? Or do you say come back to school, get better or, or show that, you know, you've improved as, as a shooter and that you could handle a, a heavier load even though that wouldn't be the necessarily role that he would play in the NBA, like you said earlier, but you can make possibly more money at Arizona than you could as a second round pick I, or, or, uh, I, or, or gamble in the draft. What do you, what do you tell him? I would say to return unless you can get undrafted free agent to my jazz. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I would say to return though. I, I think, I think that if he is going to be, he scored 9.4 points per game, I believe. Um, if he were, if he were to return and up that to 12 on similar shooting percentage, maybe shoot a little better from three and add an assist per game due to a higher usage rate. And then they have lost Coloco and Matherin. I think that looks a lot, a lot better. And he plays similarly spectacular defense, which I assume he will. Um, and Arizona, he leads a team that's depleted of two first-round draft picks in Matherin and uh, Coloco. I, re- I really do think that improves his stock enough to be a surefire first-rounder coming out as a junior, whereas now I think – I feel like I'm one of the highest people on Twitter about on him, and I've got him at 32. And so if, if that doesn't feel like a lock to get in the first round, you, you almost feel like you'll have a better chance of making more money and improving your game. Like that, that's just as important is, is that it contributes to money, but you also – feel better about your game entering the draft rather than taking a gamble for a team that really loves you or is just desperate for a player like you. So I I would advise him to return. I think Arizona has got a chance to be really good again next year as well. Yeah. I think this NIL is a game changer. I mean, we've seen already seen some guys that were, you know, fringe second round picks decide to stay in school. And and some of the guys, I don't even feel like going to school is going to help their draft. Like I think it's going to stay the same in a sense, but I mean, I don't, I guess in a sense, you can say the NIL money and and your role is safer at at a big school where you're going to be the man as opposed to, you know, maybe playing in the G League or or ending up on a two-way contract. So it's a question I'm probably going to start asking all guests going forward. If there's a guy that is not a lock in the first round, is it worth 
taking the risk and having a non-guaranteed contract, or unless you feel like your agent can negotiate you some type of guarantee in the second round, because I mean, there's a lot of money being thrown out at, at some of these blue blood programs and for, for some of these, these guys that they can definitely make more money staying in college than they can as, as a two-way. Well, that wraps it up for this episode, man. I, I thank you again for, for coming on. I know this was a request from a guy that, that followed. I'm sure he follows you too. He's a huge, I, I guess he, he's very involved in NBA draft Twitter. His name on Twitter is The Cooler, and he loves to talk draft. He's a Knicks fan, and he's always asking about the Arizona players. Talk more about the guys that are going to Arizona. And so um, I, I had wanted to do it also. Then I thought about it. I said, well, man, who better to talk about the guys from Arizona than you since you know that conference so well? So thank you again. So before we sign off, where can the audience find you and, and your work? Yeah, thanks again for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, I, I host a college basketball and football podcast called the College Sports High, which will be coming uh, far more active in the coming weeks. I'll be talking about the draft, a little bit about the playoffs, and and obviously Jay Wright uh, retiring. That'll be a po- on a podcast soon. And then uh, on Twitter, I, my, it's my name, Leaf Tulin, L-E-I-F-T-H-U-L-I-N. And, and as always, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to basketball. And I, I love me some Arizona basketball this past year. It's pretty to watch. I, like, I've been crazy busy all day and I saw Jay Wright retired. But is it effective immediately or is it at the end of next season? Effective immediately. Oh, wow. I mean, this is similar to like... I mean, I'm a Nebraska fan. I remember when Tom Osborne just abruptly retired after not too far after winning a couple of championships and everybody thought it was so weird, but I don't even feel like Jay Wright is like, I mean, I, I know he's not like a young man, but he doesn't seem like he's that old or, you know, he's like 70 something, some years old. So very interesting. And then I'm sure that's a big story for you to cover. All right. Well, thanks again for, for coming on. Thank you to each and every person that has listened to this episode. Now I want you to check out the Locked On NBA podcast. From the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals, the Locked On experts will take you deep inside the NBA playoffs with insight and analysis that will affect all 30 teams. I'm Rafael Barlow. He's Leaf Tuling. And this is the part of the show where I say we are out. <laughs>